Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Pre-Accident Investigation Podcast. It's me, Todd, and I'm so incredibly happy you're here. Now, today's podcast is going to be a little different because, and quite honestly, I should just tell you this before I go any further in this explanation. I don't really know why I haven't been doing this all along. It seems kind of stupid, but I haven't been. Because today's podcast is kind of an on-the-road version, and I should probably do lots more of these on-the-road versions. But funny, when you're out there in the world experiencing it, I don't think about recording, but I should. So you may not know this, but I'm in Kenya. I'm in Nairobi, Kenya right now, and I've had an incredible experience. This is a remarkable place to go. It's a remarkable place to visit for sure, and the people here are, are hilarious. I haven't laughed this much in a long time, and you know that I like to laugh. What I wanted to do was capture some of that and share it with you from the road. So it's a little less produced, not that the other podcast is greatly produced, but more importantly, I think it gives us an opportunity to really talk about how the world is. Uh, and you'll see why I say that. Because if you go out on an operational visit, the chance to talk to workers is amazing. Because if you want to know how work is done, you talk to the people who do the work. Well, it's the same when you travel. You get an opportunity to learn, and learning is vital. We know that for sure. But it also allows you an opportunity to really understand and look deeply into the processes and systems and culture and practices and what people do and how they do it. And so I was over here and I started thinking about this, but I didn't just come up with it. It happened through a series of conversations around risk and hazard and recoverability. And one of the most important parts of that conversation is that relationship between the risk as it's presented and how we recover from that risk when it's presented. So I'm over here, and you'll be pleased to know that one of the things I did was secure a driver. So I'm not driving myself because, well, A, I don't really know where to go, and B, culturally, this is a much different experience. This is different than the places where I drive. Not that they drive on the wrong side of the road. I wouldn't say that. That's not fair. They drive on the other side of the road because probably half of you that listen to this podcast are, you know, driving all over the road. So you understand completely where that comes from. And one of the things is, is as you drive, my driver showed expertise in driving in the rural parts of the country, which were filled with a really unique set of hazards, um, roads that had holes in them and uh, speed bumps and animals and all, all sorts of things on the road. And my driver also showed me with great dexterity, how we drive in the city, in this case in Nairobi, which is a, a pretty interesting place to drive a vehicle. What it illustrates, as we know, because we've talked about this a lot of times before, is the importance of understanding complexity and complex systems, systems that require adaption. And what drivers do is provide real-time assessment of risk and then real-time adaption to the risks they assess. So drivers are constantly detecting and correcting. It only becomes more obvious in a system that has much less formality. Lanes, striping, markings, sign signals. A lot of those things are yet to be fully developed uh, in many parts of the world. And so because this conversation continued, and it was fun, and it became really interesting, 
it became really clear to me that I should probably introduce you guys to Kevin, the driver. And that's exactly what this kind of informal on-the-road podcast is going to do. In fact, I'm going to try to get as many of these as I can because I think this is a really great opportunity to have this conversation about what people do and how they create reliability and resilience in real time within their system. So I hope you're doing good. And I want to check in and make sure everything's good with you because that's vital and important. But also, I really want to give you an opportunity to get to meet this, uh, this, this person that I think you'll find incredibly interesting. So without any further ado, and I have lots of ado, I mean, I can always bring more ado into this, let me introduce you to Kevin. So Kevin, are you excited and ready to be on the podcast? I am. That's not too much pressure? Nope. So uh, right now, people are listening to you as they do things like walk their dog or ride their bike or, God forbid, jog. I don't know why people jog, but jogging, that's all happening. Those people are listening. You are in their ear right now as you say that. How does that make you feel? Delighted. Really? Oh, yeah. That delights you? Delights me. Have you had fun uh, hanging out with me? The most incredible time hanging out with Dr. Conklin. Okay, so you know that that I wrote that part for him. That, that, nah, that was nah, written. Nah. I didn't. <laughs> yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Introduce yourself and, and, and um, give us a little bit of your history because I think that's an important place to start with this podcast. Hello, guys. My name is Kevin, Kevin Kerrier. I am uh, 23 years as of now, turning 24 in two months. So in two months, you'll be 24. Yep. So then can I assume in 14 months, you'll be 25. Yep. Have I identified the pattern? Yes, you have. Okay, good. I'm just checking in. I just want to as make long sure. as your pattern goes to August by the 14, 14 months, <laughs> okay. you you're then, fine. Then it's good. Okay. I uh, I am uh, almost graduating. I'm graduating in a few months. Just finished my my uh, marketing management uh, di- uh, diploma. Sorry, I have done defensive driving mm-hmm. here. I I do drive I do love driving. Driving yeah. is my passion. You're good at it too. Yep. Thank you. But when I was driving you I, I wasn't doing it out of passion. It's out of seriousness. Oh, it's very <laughs> it's very serious when you're with me. And you also were you just finished up an internship as Oh yeah. Well? I was doing my internship in customer care in a company known as Nairobi City and Sewerage Company, Nairobi Water. That's what we call it. In short form, Nairobi Water and Sewerage and uh, Nairobi Water Sewerage and Nairobi Water Company and Sewerage Company. So Nairobi Water Company and Sewage Company. Yeah. Okay, I got it. So that is why I was doing my internship in customer care, so front office basically. When when you did that internship, what was the induction like for you as a new employee, as an intern employee in a lot? That's a pretty big company. I would think that's big. It's a big company. Everybody, it pretty much everybody for... needs water and sewage is kind of a, um, we don't have to talk about it too much, but it's pretty vital. I actually did two, two sets of attachment there. I did uh, customer care in call center and then I went customer care face to face. Wow. Okay. So call center is hectic because that's the main center where they all call. How how many people work in the call center? Uh, we we basically they were basically working on shifts. So in a day we have like three. Oh, sorry, four people. Uh, two in the morning, then two in the evening. 
but it's a lot. After this call, another call. Yeah, After this just, call, so and so you have never, people waiting. It never stops. Never stops. Ooh. It's hectic because most people prefer to call than going to their regional offices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes well because it's more convenient, right? Yeah. So we have to connect them to their regional offices, and uh, but it was it was fun. Had that experience. Was there a lot of induction training or new worker training or new intern training that you had to take? Have you ever heard of baptism by fire? I, I have heard of it. <laughs> and most of the people who listen also very familiar with but, baptism by fire. So that is what it is. So how did you learn? You just watched and learned? Uh, day one, I was skeptical of receiving any calls. Wouldn't lie. Uh, so we did. I did a lot of seeing, observing for myself, seeing what they're doing, because you have to take a record, we have to write the account number, right, right, we right. have to write the name, where they're from, which region, so you have to do all that. So day one, it was, I was very, actually two days I was skeptical about receiving calls. Uh, I had uh, my mentor there, and I quote, uh, her name was Caroline. Okay. So Caroline told me, you don't have to be scared, just take it. So this time I was like, okay, let me take a call. After day two though, not day one. Right. So I took I took the call. It was fun. I got mixed up. Everything got mixed up. But in the end she told me, just relax. Follow the same procedure. Ask for the name. Ask for the account number. Because right. once you get the account number, you get you enter that into the system and you get to the region. Then you ask for the problem. So, apparently, day three, let me say day three, because that's the first day I received a call. I took the call. Then, uh, this lady started complaining. You people from Nairobi Water, we don't have water. What have you done? We've paid. So, like, ooh. So, now, that's what made me get everything mixed up. But, after two, three calls, you get a hang of it. And you start getting in the line. Then you get better, better, better. Yeah, and it becomes uh, easy. More experience makes the job a little easier. Yes. What's it? What's it like? And this is a hard question, and I've thought about how to ask you, mm-hmm. but I think I'm just going to ask you, and we'll go from there. Feel free. What's it like to be in an environment that's always developing? So, so I would say it's fair to say that Kenya is a developing country. Is that fair? Yes, it is. It's a very What's, fast, uh, I would say, I haven't traveled a lot, so I don't know how much yeah. other countries do. Well, and, and I, that's why the question's kind of unfair, because you can't really tell me what it's like, because it's normal for you. So for, I think the, the perfect answer would be, it's normal. Talk. For me, it's normal, but right. I, I have been to a few counties. In in, in U.S., you call it uh, states. States, yeah. We call it counties. So in we have 47 counties in Nairobi. Ah, uh, in Kenya, sorry, apologies. Ah, uh, so they do they do different they do develop differently, different time, different everything is different. But in Nairobi, I can tell you, it grows fast. Yeah, it grows really fast. The rate is quick. But you said something really interesting. Yeah, and that is that you can really determine where, uh, uh, in this case, a country is or where a company is, an organization is, yeah. because they're not all the same. It's not homogeneous. Nope. That the, if there are 47 counties, mm-hmm. then there are really 47 different levels of development, some more advanced and faster, like Nairobi. Nairobi is the fast one. 
and then some probably slower to change that you can really see a, a very compelling difference in how things happen and, and how the world exists. That's really interesting. What's that like for you? Do, do you draw comparisons like that? Do you think about it? Uh, yeah, I do. Does it... Um, I, do, I do think about such things. I do want to travel more into this country, right. go to all different seven, 47 counties, see how they're developing, see how they're doing their things, all that. Uh, but I also think the national government, that's the government, the presidential government, right. That uh, they do allocate money to the counties depending on how fast they grow. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Because now we cannot give a county that is slow growing uh, a quotation of forty-seven, let's say, billion. Right. Kenya shillings. Eh? We cannot give a county that is growing slow forty-seven billion shillings and a county that is growing fast the same amount. Right. Because they'll use them at different rates. Yes. Some will get lost, so we give the national government gives it each county depending on how fast it grows. Are there different levels of safety? Or maybe a better question would be: yeah. Is it riskier in different places? Definitely. So what's that mean? Nairobi number one is the riskiest. I can tell you why. Why do you think? Uh, yesterday when I was driving you, remember I told you don't use your phone when the window is open? Right, yeah. Yeah, because, uh... Someone, do... someone will take your phone. Oh, yeah. We call them, the owners come for it. The owner, <laughs> the owners come to get the phone. Okay. So, you, you were just holding it for right. the owner. So, there's definitely crime. Crime is, uh, why in you, Nairobi. Why do you think there's crime in Nairobi? Because, uh, people ask... Oh, sorry. People want more than they do receive. Right. People... Don't have actually. There is a very low employment rate as of now, considering we have a new government, barely a year. So actually, it will get to a year after three months into office. So people want to, and the high cost of living, the economy, everything now is way up. Uh, number one cost of all that is COVID. We all know. Yeah, COVID, COVID caused an a economic delay, would yes. you say? Okay. Yeah, it did. In Kenya, it did a lot. Because we had lockdown for about almost two years. But things are now starting to rise up slowly, slowly, slowly. We do appreciate for that. We're hoping no other episode of Corona comes. <laughs> yes, I think we're all there with you on that. Yeah, yeah. But uh, we, do, we do hope everything goes back. But... The crime in Kenya, in Nairobi, not Kenya, in Nairobi, it's so high up. How do you assess risk? First of all, how, let, let me ask this question just yes, for fun. Yes, how, how would you define safety? safety? What's your definition of safety? Safety is, uh, okay, safety has a lot of definitions. Yeah, it's hard. For me, as a, you'd say a professional driver. As a you, driver, as a yeah. driver. You are a professional, you're driving me? Yep. I would say safety for me as a professional driver is the well-being of my occupants in the car at right. that time. And uh, we also have safety of a men safe mental health safety. Okay, what's that mean? Uh what that what that means means uh is a uh, 
do you feel safe when I'm driving you when you're in the car? Okay. Okay. Because now my perception of safety. Because now I when I'm driving you, I have to show you that I am confident. You have to be relaxed. You have to give me all. Because I have your life though. Do you know that? Yeah, I don't like to think about that, but okay. <laughs> Let's not talk about that. I, I have your life when I'm in that car. So it does it does give me the strength to go on and on. The what's it called? Mm-hmm. Well, so confidence builds competency. Yes. So because you're confident, that increases your competence. And your safety. And it makes me feel safer. And it increases safety. Yep. And so the more you drive and the more confident you are, the better you're driving. How do you assess risk? How do you know when I can hold my phone and have the window down and when I can't hold my phone? Or how do you know when to drive fast, when to drive slow? How do you know where to stop? I mean, how do you assess risk in real time? Uh, I think in every country around the world, we all have universal traffic rules. Right. So you have to go by that. Okay. Then now you have to know also to number two is to assess the area, the environment where. So you how are. do you do that? You have to know. Uh, there is there are areas where people are busy. Where people are busy, mostly in Nairobi, not everyone is busy. People are busy looking at cars to see if you have your window down using your phone so that they can snatch uh-huh. it. Yeah. Okay. So people are busy, yes, but now you see. But when you're in the highway, you can. Roll down your window a little bit, get some air, use your phone, that's fine. Going at uh, that's, uh, the highway speed. So you're constantly looking around and assessing the, the risks that you see in real time. Yes. How did you learn to do that or how do you formalize that? How do you become competent at that? Me living here, I know. So I experience. Have, yeah, experience. Experience. Are you surprised sometimes? Yes. Actually, there's a day, like, uh, let me say, like a month, um, sorry, like a year ago. I was from Mababa. I wasn't driving then, but I was uh, in a Matatu. You know what a Matatu is by now, right? No, you have to tell them. Okay. They, they, they're not going to But know. you know now. I do know that it's a scary little van. But. <laughs> there is a, a scary, there's that one, scary one. There's a 14-seater and there's a 33-seater. 33-seater PSV is a, a Matatu. That's the big Matatu. The... 14-seater, we call it here a Nissan. A Nissan. It's a van. Right, a little van. Yes. And it carries 14 people anywhere you want to go. About the same price with a Matatu. It's the same, if it's the same distance, the same price. But the van goes a little bit faster. Because it, uh, it gets full faster than the Matatu. And they wait for the Matatu. They wait for the little bus or the bigger bus to get full before it leaves. Yeah, if, okay. it's a, if it's on the main stage, they have to wait for it to get full. Then they leave, then another one comes. What does full mean? Does full mean over full? No. Or every seat? Uh, okay. In Nairobi, when you're going outside Nairobi, it's every person to their seat. Okay, so every person gets a seat. Yeah, but inside Nairobi, like a short distance, you have to squeeze for the, your neighbor. Okay, squeeze in for your neighbor. Uh, a conductor is, uh, usually tells us, Move for your neighbor. Move for your neighbor. <laughs> okay, I got you. Or love your neighbor back there. Love your neighbor. So you have in a in a three seater uh, behind the behind the the van. Right in the back of the van. Right. Yes, it's a three seater, but you forced to seat four. Ever five? No, 
No. Four is enough. Four is enough. Yeah, I feel like. Because people, there are some people Did who, Do those feel safe to you? Actually, they are not safe considering my defensive lessons. Right, for what you know safe. about driving. Yeah, it's not safe because each thread, uh, each tire has a thread capable to hold. If it's a 14-seater, 14 people only. Right. But most most of that, they don't go for long distances. So people are like, ah, we just squeeze in for you. Yeah, one more. Yeah. yeah. One more, one more. Because it's not that long of a distance. Do people wear seatbelts? In their pers- private cars, yes. So uh, in, private, tattoos, in private cars, yes. My tattoos, no. Okay. Really. So uh, that, that notion of risk in real time, which is something you deal with every single day. Yes. Do you think it makes you safer? Yes. How? Because you have to uh, you have to evaluate each and every environment you are in. If you're in Westlands, you have to look at the environment, see if Westlands is safe. There are safer places in Westlands, and there are non-safer places in Westlands. Uh, we have a slum in Nairobi called Kibira. You know Kibira? I showed you Kibira. Yeah, right? I think you showed me, and I think it's important that we say. So they use the term slum, where that's a term I would not use, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. because it seems. It seems sort of like it's judgmental. It seems bad, yeah. but it's a term you guys use to talk talk about housing that's informal. Informal. That's a good. That's a very good way to put it. Informal settlement. That's what we call them. Uh, we say informal settlement slash slum because it is that is what that is what that is what it is. Yeah, I agree. You've seen actually there are people who live in. In this room of yours, people do live like four of them. So there is a divider in between, then a cross. Wow. Everyone has a door on each side. So you, no one listens to that other side. But now when this, other, when this one wants to play music, we have to all listen to the same music. Everybody has to listen to the same yep. music. Yep. Yeah, okay. I understand that. Yes. I understand that. That's remarkable. It is. When you think about that environment, do you see, do you see Kenya becoming more safe every day? Is is Kenya improving? That, and I, I mean that question uh, not in judgmental terms or not in how the world measures you, okay. but in risk and operations in in how you live daily basis is risk decreasing or increasing or is it changing is it staying the same let me shock you uh you find in that in that in this room of yours we said we have four rooms right for four different families funny thing is in this one room uh lives a soldier a security guard with a wife who probably does nothing so probably washes clothes for people in higher places. Uh, higher places, okay. So they get like 400 shillings a day, 500 or 600. Good day, 1,000. Security guard gets uh, around ten, around 9,000 to around 15,000 a month. So these people are not that well off, but they do have lots of children. Right. Around... Most of them usually have around three to, and I mean three, three is the lowest side. So, so three small family. For the, no, for them, that's right. slow, the low family. Then they usually have three to 
around, let me say seven kids, all living in that small space. So what that does mean, it means the firstborn has to be schooled by the parents. Then the firstborn has to school the others. Okay. So now that makes it a higher rate because there's no employment here. This one usually uh, they reached to secondary school, then they're done. Or primary, then they're done. Primary is around 13 years. Secondary is about 18 years. So once they get there, they are done. They are told, go look for work because you have to provide for your siblings. There's no employment in Kenya as of now that we know of. And uh, you have to pro- provide school fees to your younger siblings. Right. Probably your parents go back to their rural place or accidentally, God forbid, they die. Right. So you are the parent because probably you and let's say your second sibling you are the only person, you are the only people who are schooled by your parents. So now you have to provide for your siblings, you have to school them, you have to make them eat. There's no employment, so what you gonna do? Let me ask you, Todd. Well, I mean, the the quick answer is, I think it would be easy to be overwhelmed by that situation yeah. and do nothing, or to be scared. But it looks to me like what people do is work really hard to make their life better. They do, but now that is if you have employment. If you have employment, and the key is employment. Yeah. So if you don't have employment, what's the first thing you're going to think about? Maybe crime. Yep. Stealing. Yep. Yeah, that's a part of it as well. What do you see as the future for you? For me, I had uh, what I would want to be. Yeah, I mean, what do you think is next for you? What's the future? What's the next for Kevin, and then what's the next for Kenya? I'd want to better Kenya individually. Right. I want to stop the small, small corruption. You're lucky we didn't get stopped by a police officer. Because usually they just stop you and ask you for like, do you have a hundred bob? Because I see you carrying muzungus. Honestly, on my side, they are lucky they did not stop me. Because for me, no, no. If there's no crime, I'm leaving nothing for you. Okay. Yeah, so number one, I'd want to better this country for me individually. I'd want lesser corruption because you can't say no corruption, not at all. Right. It's, it's there'll be there'll hard. always be some corruption. Yes. Okay. So lesser corruption. Let's try and reduce corruption in Kenya individually. And also a better Kenya. Let's have more employment, let's have more lesser Let's have lesser nepotism, lesser tribalism, because that's always there. We have 48 tribes in Kenya, so lesser tribalism is a better place. That's going to be a better place. Yes. And that, I think, is really an interesting part of this experience. I hope you enjoyed the opportunity to listen to Kevin, because it's been remarkable. I mean, it's been so much fun. What I found so interesting to watch, and you would too, is the relationship between risk and normalcy and how everyone is constantly assessing risk at all sorts of levels, operational risk, crime, safety, all all the things we think about. And what they build into this is this sort of personal 
recoverability, the ability to recover. Um, that's huge here. In fact, the resilience you see is probably a function of everything Kevin talked about. Power, corruption, money, employment, those are all incredibly complex issues. And so there's going to be incredibly complex solutions. But what I find more interesting is the ability for people to function in a meaningful way, for them to make sense of the world around them and to interpret it and to really choose to get better, to choose improvement, to choose to be happy, to choose to laugh. That's been a big part of it. I can't thank Kevin enough for taking time. He wasn't, I mean, this was, I asked him to do this. So this was a deal. He hasn't really done many of these, <laughs> but it was a great opportunity for you get, to get to meet him and for us to have this chat. So without much further ado. And I would also want to be more into this podcast of yours. You really? Ah, I'd love to. You could do it again, baby. Oh, thank you. I'll always take you for a second <laughs> visit. Thank Thanks you. for your time. Until then, learn something new every single day, which I bet you did today. Have as much fun as you possibly can. Be good to each other. Be kind to each other. That's really important. I hope you're well. And for goodness sakes, be safe. Thanks for listening to an On the Road podcast.